In a world where three pudgy history teachers discuss random aspects of history. I've got nothing. No, oh, Hatfield, we got you. Yeah, I, wait, who you calling pudgy? Yeah, man, that's kind of rude. No, I'm rude. Welcome one, welcome all. It is the History Bros Podcast. I am Jason Rude, also known as Corn, affectionately known as Corn by the man you know as NASCAR or as Hatfield or as Mr. Wikipedia. There he is. And we also have joining us Mr. Brian Geldmacher. He is dirty. Uh, Well, that's his nickname. I don't know that he really is, but welcome, gentlemen. How the heck you been? We are in election week. Welcome. Is it an election week? It is election week. Yeah. Like big time. So, so like the general election, that's that's this week? Well, it's the, actually like the local elections this week and municipal mm-hmm. school board elections, I guess. But uh, it is the election week in general. So like uh, this week in history could be full of a lot of presidents being elected. Sure. So would next week. We, it's we not, could, well, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, you, well, usually the main elections are always on uh, even years. No, you're so right. These are like, yeah, the, lo- the local stuff. So we probably wouldn't have a president in a this day in history uh, of this year. That is absolutely not true. We could still have the even year. This the, We still have even years in the past. That's true. That's so, true. That's yeah. a good point. So, I mean, it could happen this week in history. It just wouldn't wow. be necessarily wow. Yeah, the four-year anniversary. <laughs> Holy cow. This is why we teach math people, or excuse me, don't teach math people. What are we doing? What are you doing? We teach, what are we doing right now? We teach, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I blame... I blame hat. Where's that, where's that trombone thing? Where's the sad have you, trombone? Have oh, you been sorry. drinking? Me? Come on. It's me? Seriously? Good night. What is the last? Uh, seriously, me? You're talking about rude. We're not talking about Hatfield. We're talking about rude. Why are we going to focus on me? I'm not the one that's talking about us teaching math and not even knowing what we teach and stuff. Don't deflect on me. You're right. I'm sorry. Hang on. Hang on. Let me try this one. That is why you fail. Yeah, that was my. That was for me. Oh. <sighs> yeah, it said just that. Keep is that queued up, rude. Yeah. <laughs> epic win or epic again, fails, and again, yeah. and again. <laughs> oh my! Oh, I could go with John Cena. Oh, I love John Cena. How about oh, you? Boy. <laughs> yeah, this is going nowhere fast. Um, so, what? So this week in history. <laughs> we're, oh, we're going right to it. Hang on, wait, wait, wait. There's got to be yep. something this week that we did. Well, hang on, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. before we go anywhere else. Oh boy. How how was your trip into uh, the deep south where you had to protect your teeth and your uh, shoes? I'm still not sure what that even means. Oh, I'm no, making fun of southerners. Either. I probably shouldn't do that. You're making fun of southerners. You're making fun of God's country. That's what you're trying to tell me? Hey, I sent you a picture of what God's country looks like today. Hmm. <sighs> Did you not God see the picture? Forsaken country, perhaps. <laughs> oh, oh! Don't make no. Me... I um. Well, we'll. I think we'll get into that. Okay, um, we can hold on later on in the uh, the episode. But yeah, I did take a trip. Oh, you suck. Um, <laughs> I feel. 
I feel mildly annoyed right now. <laughs> I don't blame you. I would too. Okay, you're right. Um, no, I uh, I took a little trip down the mighty Mississippi. Was it 1814? Mm. He's a poet. Um, well, it. it involved that, but um, just in general, uh, we uh, went down to Nolens. Oh, okay. uh, my why, wife and I did. You say it where? That's how you say it. It's kind of like if you go into Louisville, Kentucky, it's actually Lovell, Kentucky. I hate the way they say it there, too. All right, hang on. Hatfield, if you can tell me who sings the song that you were just referencing, which is the Battle of 1812 or the Battle of New Orleans, I will mail you a prize. If You, you can't look it up, though. Wait, the what do you mean? In 1814, we took a little trip down to New Orleans. Yeah, and, yeah who sings it? Um, that was Johnny Horton. Oh crap! Give me your address. I gotta mail you something. <laughs> yeah, right now. I want to give you my right address on the, on this podcast right now. <laughs> it's worth a shot. <laughs> yeah, they actually, um, they actually, um, yeah. Well, I'll see. While you're on it, you know, let me go ahead and give you my uh, social security number, and I've got these credit cards. Oh, see, I like to hide my uh, personal information on the dark web because it's dark and no one can see it. <laughs> Just make sure you give me the expiration number, correct spelling of your name, and that three-digit code in the back. Then we're set. No, my wife and I took a um, a, a riverboat out to the Chalmette battlefield, and when we when we docked there, the guy was telling us about the song. And one of the things that was kind of interesting is that as we were going down there, the guy's telling us the history of of new orleans and the um uh just you know the founding of it and all this kind of stuff uh leading up to uh the battle of new orleans and he says and i'm going to tell you about this history that you've probably never been taught in school Um, and i look at my wife and i said "I i teach about the we do a, a Star Spangled Banner project every year, and we talk about the War of 1812 every year. And I'm like, what is this guy trying to say? Why is he throwing shade? <laughs> and so, and then I'm like, you know, then my, you know, he's talking about stuff, and then I'm trying to turn to my wife to fill in the gaps of some of the things that he's talking about. She's going, shh, shh I just want to, I, I want to listen to him. You can talk to me about it later. And so I was like, okay. But the guy was like, yeah, you won't, you didn't hear about this in history, but you know, you're going to hear about it now. And I'm like, eh, wrong, you wrong. <laughs> I teach it every year. <laughs> but, um, Did you tell him that? But anyway, when we docked, they played that song. Oh, and did you tell him? Perfect. Did you tell him who you were? And how important you were. Yeah, really. I mean, seriously. You- um, he actually, he actually made an announcement. I hear that there's someone that's really, really famous. <laughs> Did he ask about um, your Wikipedia page? Um, he didn't. He said uh, it's not. He actually asked me how he could get hooked up with one of those, and so I told him about a limited licensure, you know, uh, <laughs> limited liability company LLCs. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, you just need to have uh, a couple of guys in the Midwest who will never stop talking about it, <laughs> and that's one way uh, to, to get that. I, it would talking see- about what Wikipedia. He owes us like two more. He said it himself. I know. <laughs> yeah, we should just there. just have like you should have a sound effect of just money just pouring down because that's what it's, you know. If I seriously, if I had this nickel that I have in my hand right now, I wouldn't have to worry that people don't think I'm teaching about the War of eighteen twelve. <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, let's oh. see. Um, this week in history on October yeah. 31st, 1517, mm-hmm. Martin Luther nailed yep. his 95 theses to the door of Wittenberg's Palace Church, denouncing the selling of papal indulgences and questioning various ecclesiastical practices. Uh, the selling of in- Right. The selling of indulgences. So uh, to my understanding, the Pope was trying to uh, renovate or expand uh, St. Paul's Cathedral, or maybe they were, I'm not entirely certain. Maybe they were actually in the process of building it. Are you referring Um, to St. Peter's Cathedral? Did I say St. Paul's? Yeah, St. Peter's Basilica. Yeah. And so... um, (sighs) They well, I'm not Catholic. I'm Methodist. I'm. I'm <laughs> sorry to hear that I'm a. Me- what are we? What is this now? <laughs> anyway, so the selling of indulgences was basically that you know they were raising money and people are like, well, the Pope is the richest man in the world. Why doesn't he pay for it himself? And the prospect was of selling indulgences was to, if you gave the church money, they would forgive you of your sins. And so obviously that's like, well, what if you don't have any money? Why do the wealthy get, you know, uh, a leg up? And so because um, they've got more money. Duh. Right. <laughs> and I think that's that's his argument. He was like, you know, I think one of his theses was like, you know, I hate socialists. Um, you know, <laughs> wait, who are we talking trickle, about? It's a trickle down economy. <laughs> Martin Luther, and not Martin Luther King. People, are, Martin Luther oh. was not alive in fifteen seventeen. So, um, <sighs> so there. But um, yeah. yeah so that was uh, October thirty first of fifteen seventeen. All right, November third of fifteen thirty four. King Henry the Eighth became a supreme head of the Church of England following the passage of the Act of Supremacy by Parliament. Guys, I have no idea what this is. You you, you talk about it. <laughs> King Henry VIII? Well, I've heard, I'm Henry VIII, I am. Henry VIII, uh, I am, right. I am. I got right. married to the he, widow next door. She's been married seven times before, and everyone was a Henry. Henry! Oh, you want me to stop? So you watched Ghost too? No, that might, that's the only <laughs> song I ever knew the words to. Well, you know about the Battle of New Orleans. Second verse, same as the first. <laughs> so King Henry VIII... This is happening. <laughs> ...did not understand that males supply the chromosome that determines whether or not their child is a boy or a girl. Oh. And so when he got married, um, if I'm correct, he was... I guess they were Catholic... Um, they, uh, his wife could not produce a male heir. So he was like, well, I need to get rid of this wife and marry another one that will give me a male heir. And, Mm -hmm. uh, however, the Catholic church would not approve of divorce. So he decided, well, then fine, we're not going to be Catholic anymore. And so he created essentially the Church of England. Now, I could be completely wrong on this, but I have, but I, I feel like this is sort of uh, uh, how it goes. Um, uh, so Henry VIII created basically the Church of England. To this day, the monarch of England is essentially the head of the Church of England, hmm. and so he was able to then grant himself a divorce, and then he would wind up marrying like five more times, six more times. I mean, it was, he went through. 
uh, a lot of uh, a lot of wives. Like I said, I can sing it again. Please no, it's okay. Don't. No, we we got it. We got it. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, um, go ahead. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so uh, let's see. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta find out where, where we, we left. I gotta figure I'm out where we left off. Where, how where we leave off? I'm, so, I'm sorry. Uh, somebody here is is playing nasty tricks on the others, mainly because somebody else named. Um, Na- Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that aren't watching this on TV, <laughs> we have a live Google Doc that we usually refer to <laughs> when we're in the process of doing one of these shows so we can communicate with each other and, and hey, here's some ideas, mark things off. <laughs> and then sometimes during the course of recording, somebody will throw up some sort of picture shall we say an offensive oh, meme to try and throw everybody else off i have not touched my computer throughout this entire episode no but, but yet t- we've had a good half dozen memes thrown up there so it's either Geldmacher or rude that's trying to um and no i don't think it's a good idea that we share with you what these memes are because Oh, you broke me oh again. My <laughs> oh my! <laughs> All I can say is it started mm. with Hatfield <laughs> two weeks no, ago. It's his fault. Yeah, yeah. I'm the this. jerk here. I'm the jerk here. <laughs> no, not tonight. Not tonight. It's me. I'm not gonna lie. It's me tonight. <laughs> but. <laughs> In the past, I might have shared something. <laughs> oh. But, um, oh, sorry. Oh, God, here we go again. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Oh, okay. All right. So, so, so uh, moving on. This week <laughs> is the birthday of John Adams, the second president of the United States, was born in Braintree, Massachusetts on October 30th, 1735. He served as president from March 4th, 1797 to March 3rd, 1801. He had been George Washington's vice president and was the father of John Quincy Adams, the sixth president. He died on July 4th, 1826, the same day as Thomas Jefferson on the 50th anniversary of the adoption of the Declaration of Independence. Pretty cool. Who dude. died first? Uh, the Adams chicken or, or the, Jefferson? I believe it was um, Adams died first. No. Yes, 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 yes. No, no Adams dies first. Jefferson. Jefferson says as he's dying, no, Adams no, lives Jefferson on. Jefferson died, and Adams said Jefferson still lives. Oh, is that how it worked? Yeah. I thought that he said that, but he didn't know that Jefferson he was already dead. I, yeah. How I could he know? He was in right. He was in Virginia, and or he, he was in uh, Massachusetts. Correct. No, no, right. He's he says. Thomas Jefferson survives, but what he didn't know that it was Jefferson was already dead. Right. Okay. Right. There's what Jefferson. What Jefferson's last words were. He said, um, "Rosebud." <laughs> that's that's not true. No, I don't think that's true. No, I don't. It, either. No, no, he had he had a he had a, a snow he had a sled that was very special to him as a child. 
that's that part's absolutely 100 percent true. All right, right. Let's, listen, listen, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Listen, if if Hatfield is going to be telling falsehoods, he's going to have to be punished, and I have the punishment. He's going to have to sing "Sit Down, John" from 1776 for us. I only sang the the choral parts to that. I, I was not John Adams. I was John Dickinson. If you want to hear, um, cool, I'll do considerate the men. Then by all means, I'll do the vote 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 yes part. But you got to do the "Sit Down, John." Vote yes. That's oh. what he says. That's what John Adams says. I know. Oh, I've done the show. Play, like, I've never heard this story before. Jeez. <laughs> I don't know how this I, play goes. For the record, I didn't bring this up. <laughs> okay. Maybe we should move on. Holy cow. I, uh, oh, mm. God. Um, mm. October 30th, 1938, the War of the Worlds radio broadcast panicked millions of Americans. Actor Orson Welles and the Mercury Players dramatized the story by H.G. Wells depicting a Martian invasion <laughs> of New Jersey. Their script utilized simulated radio news bulletins, which many listeners thought were real. Mm. So the beginning of fake news. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably... Um... Fair enough to say, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there you have it. Moving on. <laughs> All right. Go, go, uh, Brian, go ahead. Mm. Wow. Uh, November Easy 1st, 1950, <laughs> President Harry Truman is the target of an unsuccessful assassination attempt by two members of a Puerto Rican nationalist movement. I didn't know that. Me either. I didn't. I didn't know that either. But I, I found that. No, wait, 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 stop. I did know that. I know the story. I can tell it. I can tell the story. You want me to tell the story? I'll tell the story. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I will I'm tell just trying to pretend like no one just posted another meme on there. Okay. Well, so go ahead. I, well, you shouldn't do that. Okay. So, yes, this did happen. It happened actually at Peter, or not Peterson House. Um, mm. Wrong spot. Uh, Blair House. You know where that is, right? So Blair House is the uh, official guest residence of the White House. It's, if you're looking at the White House, um, it's to the west and just across Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, so like it's the the west entrance. If you're coming in, if you're on the north side of the White House and you're going to go in the west entrance by the executive uh, executive office buildings, it's right across the street. It's got a big old green canopy and whatnot that you walk in, and that's where all the dignitaries stay when they come to visit the president for an overnight. So anyway, what happened was <clears throat> that was during the time that uh, the White House was being renovated. Now, when I say renovated, I mean completely gutted. I've seen. I mean, if you ever seen the pictures of the inside of the White House. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and like there's bulldozers in there and whatnot because they literally took the entire inside out, pulled it down, and completely redid it. That's It's during this time period. So actually Truman really didn't gotcha. get to live in the White House all that much. So anyway, yeah, this this uh, on this day, there's two Puerto Rican nationalists that were upset, and basically they were hell-bent on getting into Blair House to assassinate the president. This is the only time where a Secret Service agent was actually killed. Uh, two agents basically engaged um, these two guys, and then I think there might have been a Metro PD officer as well. Um, long and short of it, uh, th- there was one injured officer, one Secret Service agent killed. Um, they eliminated one of the Puerto Rican nationalists pretty early on in the fight. 
Um, but basically, with his dying breath, this officer that ended up dying was able to <clears throat> uh, level his weapon, basically lift it up and pull the trigger and ended the threat of the other national. Um, and that's essentially what happened there. And uh, it's been a while since I've had the details to that story, but I mean, that's that's the general gist of what happened. Hmm. So I, uh, right in front of the White I House. Actually, I actually have an, uh, an acquaintance um, that is the grands, who's an actor also, who's the grandson of Truman really? um, and has actually been going around uh, doing the one-man show, I think, of um, Give Him Hell Harry, which is a one-man show of Harry Truman. So he's doing hmm. that um, huh. about his, uh, his uh, grandfather. Interesting. Very yep. interesting. All right. <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, next. Oh, is that me? Um, I just I just talked. So, what do you guys talk? I'll go. Uh, October thirty first, nineteen sixty one. The body of Joseph Stalin was removed from the mausoleum in Red Square, and reburied within the Kremlin walls among the graves of lesser Soviet heroes. This occurred as part of Russia's de-Stalinization program under his successor Nikita Khrushchev. Stalin's name was also removed from public buildings, streets, and factories. Stalingrad is renamed Volgograd. I think that's how it's pronounced. Oof. Yeah, the um, Reds, the uh, Red Square Mausoleum, it's kind of weird. I usually try to freak the kids out, but um, they still have the body of Lenin on oh. display there, who died in the, was it 1930s? That sounds right. Maybe. And so well, they embalmed him, they put him on display, and he's been on display ever since. And they have to take his body out from time to time and put it in sort of like a chemical bath in no. order to prevent it from further decomposition. Really? <laughs> January 21st, 1924. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's when he so. croaked. And uh, the last one um, is actually something that happened um, just this past week um, that the Iron Scow, which is a famous iron shipwreck uh, dating from August of 1918, uh, was lodged just upriver from the Horseshoe Falls at Niagara, had been there for um, 101 years. Hmm. Um, they were actually uh, trying to go across and uh, the tow line broke free and it wound up getting wedged. To with two men on board, and they were able to rescue the two men. And then um, uh, over Halloween, they had strong winds and surges, and it actually dislodged the boat. And like I said, it's been there for 101 years. And it kind That's of crazy. made it pivot and sort of turned it on its side, and then it relodged itself um, just a little bit further down the river. I just saw this story um, about an hour ago. Yes. Cool. I've never been to Niagara Falls. I need to go. But um, or I. That yeah, is uh, nor apparently I. you can see that from the Canadian side. I don't know if you can see that from the from the US. You can you side. can see Horseshoe Falls better from the Canadian side. I've, I've, my brother told me about this. You can see better if you're on the Canadian side um, than you can on the uh, um, on the uh, US side, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, that is uh, this week in history, along with a whole bunch of other nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you I mean? think uh, 
we could uh, we can take a break and we can come back to the meat of the show. Can we bring potatoes Great. as well? Oh dear lord! You can bring whatever you like. Yeah, I figured it'd be more corn on the cob. Oh no, uh, that season's over with. Now we're we're pulling field oh, corn out. Well, yeah, we're pulling field corn out of the out of the fields. But you know what? It doesn't matter. You know what? As opposed to what corn? <laughs> oh, tree uh, corn. <laughs> what is? What else do you have? Okay, so I got to break this down for the city folk here. And, and so the corn uh, doesn't grow on trees like bananas. No, what? no. Well, it, it grows in a bush. <laughs> they come from according, corn bushes. Yeah, according to according to Duh. somebody. <laughs> Jeez. Oh man. No. So there's two types of corn. Way to go, St. Louis. There's eaten corn. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so sweet corn, like corn on the cob, is earlier in the season. You harvest it when it's still green. And it's still got a lot of a decent amount, a lot of moisture in it. All right, field corn. What's that? I said sure. And then there's seed corn, which is obviously corn that's turned into seed, Uh, and that's where they have to do like detasseling and all that. If you ever heard of that, Um, Hatfield or not Hatfield, Geldmark, you might have heard of that. You're kind of close to this area, Hatfield. Mm. I'm I'm not going to hold my breath, but. Tobacco country. Oh, that's Tobacco right. and cotton. That's what we got. That's true. Mm-hmm. All right. So then you've got field corn, which is like what most people think of. And so you get the green stalks, and then it gets to fall, and it turns brownish, mm-hmm. and the plant doesn't really die, but it gets to ripe. And then you have the big combines that they always show in football games. That's that stuff. That's the stuff that goes to the whatever. It gets ground up and used for feed and gets put into like cereal and all that kind of stuff. Does that all help? Right. Well, there you go. There you it go. Does. See, you got Thank an you. agronomy lesson out of the History Bros today, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, we've learned about uh, a lot about uh, artificial insemination from pigs and the various <laughs> different <laughs> genomes of corn. <laughs> when did we ever talk great. about AI for pigs? Well, we're not talking about artificial insemination. Uh, A- AI. Screw that one up. Artif- <laughs> yes. Let's just go to break. Yeah, let's just break. We'll be back after this once we figure out what the heck we're talking about. (laughs) I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear. That's right. We are talking about the travel of history. Yes, there is great travel history all over the place. Uh, And what I mean by that is there's great places to go and see. The history of our great country. And uh, thank you for indulging me with that outstanding song. That was Johnny Cash's rendition. I feel like I'm on the radio, which is uh, somewhat a natural thing. But anyway, was that song better than last time? Yes. Hatfield? uh, (laughs) I will neither confirm nor deny. Well, it fits. It does fit. It it fits better than what, you know. Mortal Kombat night. or whatever it was. No, that was that was Live the Night. <laughs> that was uh, Lil John would live the night last week. Oh, so anyway, no. sure, okay. So we are talking about the tr- the history of travel, or rather historical travel. I think is not, a better way. Not the history of travel. Correct. Oh, no. the places you will go. Yes. So I think yes. I think the format here is we're going to start with one of us who's going to bring up a location that they find to be very historical, or that they think there's. Uh, places that are worth your time to go see, and we'll just kind of do a, a go around the the, uh, the table here, so to speak, or around the country, really, the what we're doing, 
And uh, we'll just ah, see what you did there. Yeah, because you know we're all over the country, you know. Um, but and we're also talking about being all over the country. So, um, yeah. So let's go with that for right now. Let's keep it domestic, though. Let's keep it in the United States for right now. Okay. Okay. And and not because I don't want to hear about your experiences overseas. I just I can't relate because I've never done it. It's all about oh, me. It's so all, yet. It's yet. my fault. There we go. Yeah. Well, yeah, you correct. Yet. I, I got told. So we have to curtail our responses because I, you are lazy. Yes, you. yes, you are correct. No, okay. I'm well, I'm fine with if that. you want to talk overseas, we can do that. I just won't be able to. Oh, no, no. No, no. You said we don't want to make anyone feel bad. <laughs> okay. Well, I may have made you guys feel bad with that dirty comment. Mm. What? I, I don't know. No, but whatever. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I had some time during the break, and I, I checked out a couple of memes, so I had to get the, all the laughs out. That's what took so mm-hmm. long. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Okay. Uh, who wants so, to start? Uh, Rude, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah. yeah, I will. I, yeah, I can do that. Um, <clears throat> uh, it's been a number of years since I've been here, and I need to get back there. In fact, I look forward to doing this with my own family someday. Uh, I'm going to bring up the, the city of Boston. Mm. Okay. Have either of you been to Boston? Nope. Um, I have when I was in high school. We did a short-term exchange with some uh, students from Hingham, Massachusetts, and um, they took us into Boston for the day, but we didn't go to any of the real like historic sites or anything like that. So um, that's one place I would like to go and, and visit. Yeah, so my grandma knew uh, years ago, uh, my grandma knew that, I wanted to go to Boston. And the big thing is she went out for the 4th of July and the 4th of July extravaganza out there is, is really quite impressive on the Esplanade. They have a, uh, a huge fireworks show, which as you can imagine, I I'm a fan of, Uh, but then they also have the Boston pops playing um, songs and whatnot. And usually they do the 1812 overture and they're using cannons in the middle of it, as well as fireworks in the background. And, it just is, uh, it's really cool. So that piqued my interest. Long and short of it, my experience was we stayed in a flat, which was just around the corner from the Esplanade. We were not, we were not out there for the 4th of July. We were out there just before. And the biggest reason, two reasons. One, their schools were still in session, so there weren't as many people running around. And number two, there just weren't as many people running around because you didn't have the 4th of July festivities. Um, Boston, honestly, anywhere you go, is full of history and, and much of it sure. colonial history. Um, you know, the Old North Church is there. Uh, you're not that far from Salem, Massachusetts, the site of the witch trials. Uh, right. Gloucester, Massachusetts is just farther up Cape Ann, and that's where you can go see all kinds of um, fishing history as far as, like, um, you know, the, the Gloucester fishermen, uh, you know, Morton's fisher, whatever that is. Uh, birds. Well, I don't know if Bird's Eye was there, but anyway, long and short of it, uh, that kind of history. <clears throat> uh, you know, you've got the site of the Boston Massacre, which is right in front of the old Capitol building or the old courthouse, I guess. Uh, state Bo- house, yeah. What's that? State House. There you go. The old State House. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that's that's the really cool thing about Boston is it's got this. It's got what they call the Freedom Trail, and what they've done is it's about a mile and a quarter long. And it starts at Bunker Hill and it goes all the way through the city. And you know if you're on the trail because down the middle of the sidewalk, they've cut in a red brick path. So like a single brick line. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so you just follow that. And I didn't go all the way up to Bunker Hill that when I was out there. Um, but I did. We started at the USS Constitution, which is Old Ironsides. Um, yeah. And that is an amazing 
experience. You know, it's did you know it's still an active ship in the U.S. Navy? Mm-hmm. Mm. It is. Uh, they take it out and sail and, and do maneuvers. I think it's once a year they go out and, and do stuff. Um, but uh, nonetheless, it's it's just a it's really, really, really cool to see. Um, and uh, from there, you go on in and uh, you go to the site of the Boston uh, Tea Party. And you see where the Liberty Tree was and, and some of the meeting areas and houses. Um, uh, Paul Revere's house is still there. In fact, I think it's the oldest structure still in Boston, if, if I remember right. So you can actually go into Paul Revere's house. Um, and then the burying grounds are still there. So there's all kinds of unbelievably old headstones. And, of course, I don't like cemeteries, but those were pretty darn cool to see stuff that's, number one, from the early to middle 1600s in some cases. And number two, when you're seeing the people that you grew up hearing about, you know, the founders of the country, then they're buried there. That that's pretty cool. Um, Yeah. You know, and then for the sports fan, I'm not uh, a Patriots fan by any means, and they're not really in the city itself. They're out in Foxborough, but the Red Sox, and and I used to really like the Red Sox. And then, they kind of went on this thing where they got really, really good, and they're almost like the Yankees, you know, as well. And <laughs> that, that just, uh, whatever. But Fenway Park is one of the neatest places I've ever been. And uh, I, I have to tell this story about going to a game at Fenway. Um, <clears throat> so the deal was I, uh, my family, I was adamant that I wanted to go on the stadium tour, and I love stadium tours. They're just, it's really, really fun. And so we go, uh, it's my dad, my brother, myself, and my uncle uh, who had gone with us. And we were going through the stadium tour, and we're in the dugout at, towards the end of it. And they said, oh, yeah, they just released 4,000 tickets for tonight's game. And all I heard was, oh, there's tickets available for the game. So my brother and I kind of look at each other, and <clears throat> my dad is, um, he's not one that you whine to. It does not end well, if you know what I mean. <laughs> And we, generally speaking, didn't. We knew better. But in it, this is one of the very few times I can remember in in my rearing, child rearing, where my brother and I actually did kind of whine a little bit to, to try to get something. And we kind of, we put the uh, the old eyes on him and, oh, can we go? You know, we really want to go. Can we, can we, can we please? And um, <clears throat> he was saying no, kept saying no. And I get it. He He's not a huge fan of crowds. He's not a huge fan of Crowds that are um, intoxicated, I get it. Uh, he's he was still is in law enforcement, uh, has been his entire life, and you know when you deal with that on a on a regular basis and not necessarily in the most fun ways, I, I get sure. it. You don't want to deal with it when you're not at work, so I get it. Um, but that didn't mean I still didn't want to go to the game. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> l- long and short of it, my grandma was with us, and and my grandma now knows about the podcast, so she'll probably hear this story and she'll probably remember this story. Um, and, and my uncle kind of, what, what, what happened is we got back to, to the, uh, the flat. We're all kind of talking about what we're going to do later on. And everybody kind of started leaning on my grandpa or on my dad and, and saying, you know, <laughs> how many chances are you going to get to go to a game in Fenway park? You may not ever be back here. You know what? You, you really want to miss it. And finally dad goes, fine, we're going. At which point my brother and I started back. No, 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 no. We don't want to go anymore. No, no. He's like, no, you said you wanted to go. We're going. So back on the subway, I went with him. I'm like, oh, my Lord. So we go down there and we get tickets. And I want to say at that time, they're only like 25 bucks, 28 bucks a piece. I mean, they weren't terrible price price wise. And they were actually, they weren't right behind home plate. 
but like they were really really good seats you know um we were behind i mean we weren't catching a foul ball we were behind the 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 safety screen uh so i mean within yeah i mean so like yeah we had good seats what i didn't understand until later on is that it was a yankees red sox game Ah. so a big deal yeah so i got to watch the yankees and the red sox play each other and a great game 9-7 finish uh the red sox ended up beating them uh, beating the Yankees and uh, got to see no more Garcia Parra play um, a number of the Yankees. I'm trying to think if Jeter was there just yet. I saw him play a couple years later. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was, uh, it was an experience. I'll, I will say that much about it. There you go. Nice. But, nice. Uh, but yeah, Boston is, <clears throat> Boston's a great place. If you are a history person, uh, Boston, and then I'm going to throw pencil or uh, Philadelphia out there. I'm not going to talk about it right now. We can talk about it later, maybe. But uh, those those are are two places. If you like colonial history, you got to go there. There's really no other place. Um, that that you t- that's where you got to go to start with. Cool. Oh yeah. No, that's uh that's a place. Uh, I think my, uh, we're talking about possibly trying to go fairly soon. Mm. So yeah. Yeah, it's well worth your time. You'll you'll you will enjoy it. Um, of course, Cheers isn't what it used to be now because not as many people know what it is. But of course, that bar is based out of Boston, so you can you can go to the bar that inspired the TV show. Uh, but like I said, not as many people know what that is as as it used to. Yeah, it used to be the Bull and Finch. Yeah, I think, and then they did actually change the name to Cheers. I think. Yeah. Th- well, I don't know if they did, but there's a big sign out front that makes it very obvious that that's the name of the. That's where it is. Right. And it's right right across from the Boston Commons. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So you know what the Boston oh, nice. Commons are, right? That's um... the common ground of Boston. Correct. It's a big park. It's kind of like Central Park. And they've got these yeah, big... Yeah, but was it... Huh? But that's not where... No, 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 no. There there were no conflicts that happened in Boston Common, was it? No, 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 no. no, not, no. You're thinking of Lexington and yeah. Concord. Yeah, and I'm also thinking. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, Highlander. <laughs> I think one of the things that took place on Boston Common. So yeah, there you go. Okay. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Who wants um, to go next? Who would like to go next? Yeah. Who? You can uh, go. I, go ahead. Okay. Okay. So um, this past weekend, uh, my wife and I uh, went down to uh, New Orleans. And we, uh, I'd never been there before. She's been there a few times. So there was only, there was a few things that I wanted to see, uh, specifically. Well, I wanted to go see Bourbon Street, which was mm. a complete nightmare. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever been to New Orleans. No. I have not. Um, okay. So in the French Quarter, the French Quarter also, um, is known as the Old Square, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually the original. Uh, it's basically the original location of the original settlement, basically. And um, there, Bourbon Street is obviously where, you know, it's 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 fairly legendary. And so I just, you know, wanted to go into the French Quarter. I wanted to see it. And I don't know what I was expecting, but it is an entire... Well, I thought it was like, you know, a couple of blocks of like some restaurants and some bars... No, it's the entire street, and we're we're talking like strip clubs. We're talking bars. We're talking, I mean, and the thing is, is that New Orleans has uh, considerably loose alcohol 
policy. So you can like, so you can go into a bar and they'll ask you if it's for here or to go. And then you oh, can wow. just walk out onto the street with, you know, uh, anything. And, you know, coming from the Bible belt, that's obviously shocking, <laughs> but, um, but it was, uh, yeah, Bourbon Street, it was just, it was really loud and a lot of people. Plus, we got there on Halloween. Oh, so yeah. you oh, can wow. imagine what that was like. But um, New Orleans, I'd always, you know, I wanted to go see Chalmette Battlefield because that's where the Battle of New Orleans was in 1815. Um, it was actually, the war had already ended, but the news for the uh, treaty had not made it across the ocean. So it was one... Uh, basically last conflict between the British and the Americans and um, Andrew Jackson made his way to this area and fortified his positions and the British essentially just walked right into it. And I believe they lost around the neighborhood of about 2000 men. The British did. And the Americans lost somewhere around the neighborhood of 20 um, they were marching across wow. uh, a field, essentially, and they just opened fire with cannon, artillery, guns. The The British were basically just sitting ducks, and it just cut them down, and they eventually retreated. But um, it kind of propelled Andrew Jackson to uh, national stardom, which would eventually lead him into um, two terms in the White House. Um, mm -hmm. So we wanted to see that, but we took a paddle boat um, called the Creole Queen, uh, down there to see it. And the guy uh, that was giving the, his name's Charles Chestnut. He was giving a sort of like a, a narrated tour and he was so dry and it was so funny. Um, I, he was intentionally being like funny and sarcastic about certain things. But the, the history of new Orleans is pretty fascinating because um, obviously um, you have uh, Hernando de Soto, who was a Spanish explorer who goes exploring um, from the coast of Florida in about 1539 and he wreaks havoc. They, I mean, they, you know, battle native American groups, they uh, loot graves, they steal from them. Mm -hmm. They just, it's, I mean, DeSoto is just a horrible, horrible person. And he eventually dies on the banks of the Mississippi and they actually bury his body in the Mississippi and, Eventually, the troops, uh, the the, re the remaining troops, of which there are very few left, decide, OK, we just need to take the uh, Mississippi and go back to the Gulf and go to some Spanish holdings in you know, Central and South America. And so Hernando de Soto's uh, remaining troops flow through that area, which was, you know, I'm standing on the banks of the Mississippi thinking, you know, de Soto's men, what was left, you know, floated through this very area. But um in 1682, um, a, Span a, a French explorer by the name of, and I, my French pronunciation cannot be good, but it's uh, Robert Cavalier Sieur de La Salle. Um, he leads an expedition okay. down the Mississippi, and he's, he claims actually the territory as he's going down there for France and uh, names it La Louisiane, uh, obviously after uh, Louis XIV. Mm -hmm. And um, 
he uh, tries to make a settlement because the Mississippi River comes to be an incredibly important. This is another reason why New Orleans is so fascinating, because it's it becomes a port city, but it also basically controls the Mississippi. And at this particular point, the fastest way to ship things was by water. So if you controlled the mouth of the Mississippi, then you control the Mississippi River. So he tried to create a um, several times tried to create a, a settlement around the mouth of the Mississippi. One time he um, they have to turn back. Another time he can't find the mouth of the Mississippi again. Eventually he's killed in a mutiny. And um, in 1687. Fast forward to 1718, where um, basically a Canadian explorer by the name of Jean-Baptiste Lemoyne, Sieur de Bienville, and his brother uh, go exploring in that area. And I believe it was at the advice of the Native Americans, they decide to build uh, on the first crescent of high ground. And this will uh, basically be where the French Quarter is now. And um, because the Native Americans are saying, because when we have large rains, everything else gets flooded. So this is where you need to build it. And so they build it. And if and the thing is, the rest of the area, we're talking our bayous and swamps. um, They um, and in order for it to succeed, you need to have more people there. So they try to advertise very positive. Hey, come to New Orleans where everything is. Uh, You know, everything's great and no one's coming. (laughs) And actually people, um, they said that uh, the climate was hot and humid. The air was fever laden. Uh, They said that there was a um, an infinity of mosquitoes. I mean, it was just a miserable place. And, you Mm -hmm. know, people would die and the vegetation was horrible. And it was just it was a very inhospitable area, especially for Europeans. So they're like, okay, well, we need to have people here in order to have a settlement, in order for this colony to grow. So in order for it to grow, maybe we need to bring people in to expand it, but we can't get anybody to come here. So they say, (laughs) well, you know, who will be great to work here? Convicts. Oh, so we have convicts in other French territories. We've got convicts in Canada. Let's just bring the convicts down here and force them to work. Sure. Well, they don't they don't have a good bearing on the area. So some of the convicts die because of disease. Some of them simply run away and some of them don't even want to work at all. So <laughs> no it's, it, it's so it's. So it winds up just being this kind of like it's 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 almost funny with how it's just it's it's it seems to be a disaster at first. Um, and so um, the French government sent former soldiers that were traumatized by uh, this, the war of Spanish uh, succession that had, that they had recently fought. Um, and the French government started saying, well, you know what, why don't we try and remarket this area, which was now the capital of basically the French colony. Let's try and remarket this area as sort of like a spa where people can come (laughs) and sort of like be renewed and their morals can be revisited and, you know, they can kind of change as people. (laughs) And so, and plus the French government said, you know what, we don't want to have to pay for, 
convicts to house them in mental hospitals. Let's just send everybody over there. And, you know, and I guess they thought that would make for a successful colony. <laughs> so um, it, what's funny is um, there's a uh, there's a, a podcast um, that Lane Kaplan Levinson um, was hosting where um, they describe it like, you know, how nowadays if a wealthy family has an unruly child, they don't know what to do with. They send the kid off to boarding school. Well, Louisiana was the French nobility's version of boarding school. Hmm. <laughs> and so that was Louisiana. That was like New Orleans. And um, Bienville becomes the governor of Louisiana and he starts complaining uh people uh that are described that are that show up to live there uh, one was a violent disturber of the peace uh, one was a mad vagabond night prowler another <laughs> was a libertine who had threatened to kill his mother another one was jailed for repeated sodomy so these were oh. like just you know groups of people that were just you know that were the the dregs of society that they're like, okay, well, if we can't have the people that we want to go there, then we'll shove the people that we kind of don't want. And maybe they'll rehabilitate. And wow. he actually, um, <laughs> Bienville complains. He says it is most disagreeable for an officer in charge of a colony to have nothing more for its defense than a bunch of deserters contraband salt dealers and rogues who are always ready to desert you, but uh, also to turn against you and who think of nothing but returning to their homeland. So this is what he's trying to govern in this area. Um, (laughs) They eventually start do what I said. Good luck. Yeah. Well, they eventually start um, sending women over uh, women of uh, we'll say ill repute. (laughs) Because they just have men that are over there. Um, and I think, and I need to do a little bit more research, but they started sending, I think they called them the casket ladies, which were women that didn't have any income. They didn't have, they basically had everything that they had in basically a trunk, which was a roughly the size of a casket. Oh boy. And some of them would come over here and flounder or they would get sick and they would die and they would put them in to they would just bury them in their trunks. Really? In the caskets in the, that they came with. Uh, I need to do a little bit more research because we did one we uh, my wife and I wound up on this random tour of this house which was across the street from a, a convent uh, which is considered to be one of the oldest surviving structures um, there. And um, they would keep them, uh, these girls that were, you know, had no husbands or anything like that. When they would die, they would basically store them in their caskets uh, in like an attic, allegedly. Again, I need to do more research on this. And uh, then they would say, well, you know, we'll we'll bury them later. Right. Jeez. So, you know, being as mild of a climate as Louisiana has, I'm sure it never got gamey in there at all. (laughs) But um, eventually, um, you know, the royal crown kind of takes more of a hold of it. They send people over there. They actually mark the area off into squares, into blocks, you know, and then it uh, some stability starts to happen. Well, then in 1763, the end of the French and Indian War happens, and uh, the French do not want the territory of Louisiana 
to fall into the hands of the British because they are going to lose and they're already going to have to give up all their territory east of the Mississippi. And they don't want to surrender uh, the port of Louisiana because they're going to have to pay tariffs, high tariffs to use the Mississippi River. So they actually cede all that territory to Spain. So by this point, France has only has only had this territory for about 47 years. And then it becomes Spanish. And the Spanish have it for about 40, 45 years. Mm-hmm. And so you wind up getting this difference of you get like Native American. Uh, they started bringing um, slaves over by about 1721. About half the inhabitants of uh, the settlement uh, would be slaves by 1721. And it's founded mm-hmm. in 17, I guess, 18. And um, so they bring them over. And so you have a very strong African, Caribbean, and French combination of cultures that are forming there. And now the Spanish take over. And then you start seeing Spanish uh, influence. In fact, their architecture for a large portion of it is is uh, relatively Spanish because they had a couple of huge fires that decimated the colonies. And then the Spanish were like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to build anything out of wood anymore. (laughs) It needs to be brick. (laughs) And so they wound up changing the architecture and whatnot um, for that. And then uh, of course, then when Napoleon rises to power, then he basically demands that Louisiana is given back to him. And so the Spanish give it back to the French. And then, of course, he sells it to Thomas Jefferson for $15 million in the Louisiana Purchase in 1803. And now you have 47 years of French culture. Then you got about 40 years of Spanish culture. And now you have like this kind of uh, new Anglo legal system and culture and stuff that's now coming into it as well. So this winds up creating a very, very culturally uh, unique area that I think is different from pretty much anywhere else in the United States. Absolutely. And um, but um, and then finally, of course, the War of 1812, uh, the uh, Battle of uh, Chalmette. Uh, battlefield and whatnot. It was actually a plantation. And um, so, yeah, so there's so much history, but the beginning of it is just like it it could easily play as an action movie or a farce where they were just like, hey, well, we'll just send convicts down there. Why not? That'll work. Yeah. No yeah. big deal. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a fascinating place. It wasn't that hot by this particular point that we were there, but we did a lot of walking, wandering around, trying a whole bunch of different types of food, trying some good restaurants, and but cool. yeah, um, it was a uh, it was had a fantastic time there. Good, yeah, that sounds really. I, I remember uh, you had said something during the week on one of our interactions on the social medias uh, that we I, that I need to get my down there with my wife uh, sometime and travel down and visit. So I I look forward to working on making that happen. Well, they obviously also have the National World War II Museum, oh, which boy. I did not know. I, I don't even think I knew. was. I think some, some people had said you need to check it out. But I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking it's like this little dinky museum. And it is, <laughs> it is absolutely not. not. It is. 
It is massive. You cannot see. You might be able to see this thing if you got there first thing in the morning and left as soon as it closed. But chances mm. are you would need about two days. And so we went in there and took a look at that and the design aspects of it. Like um, I was telling you guys earlier, um, when you go into there's uh, one building where the top is basically the Pacific campaign and the bottom floor is the European campaign. And they've got equal parts, um, video artifacts, first person stories, interactive things that are there. Wow. Wow. And um, the the road to Berlin, you go in and where Baston was, you walk into a room and it's con- it's it's more air conditioned in that room. They're trying <laughs> to make it colder. There's it looks like there's snow on the trees, on the ground. Wow. I mean, each place that you go, they try to make it immersive. And it's very fascinating. They obviously have sunk a lot of time and a lot of money into this. That's sure. awesome. But uh, yeah, if you get a if you get a chance, I mean, again, I'm like World War II. Yeah, I've read it, and I was kind of actually sort of pushing back on it. My wife was like, "Well, you know, you're going to be catching a flight in a few hours. Let's go check it out." And we went down there, and it was amazing. It was really, really good. Like, so, you and were- I was wondering one of the things that we talked about also: why is it in New Orleans? Why would they have this massive World War II National Museum in New Orleans? And it was because of the Higgins boat, mm-hmm. because the Higgins Industries that created that boat and designed the boat were in New Orleans, which I had no idea about. So, huh? Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, and now you know. So here's something interesting. <laughs> yeah, I've never told you guys about this one. We've talked about a lot of different things, opportunities that we get as teachers. Here's one I've never talked to you guys about, and it doesn't exist anymore. And I am so upset. Because uh, I, long story, I didn't get to apply for it the first time, um, which is a, a travesty in itself, but is what it is. They one year offered to give a sixteen thousand dollar five hundred dollar grant to schools more than four hundred miles away from New Orleans to bring group up, to bring a group of twenty to thirty five students down and have one day of seeing the museum and one day of guided access to their archives. Holy cow. Yes. Wow. What, what great period are they talking or what grade level are they talking about? Uh, I think it had to be seventh grade and above. Okay. I think, yeah, I huh. think it was seventh grade and above. The amount of information, the amount of access to the stuff that that place has, because I think one of the benefactors of that place that I saw on the outside was Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Oh, imagine so, And Tom yeah, Hanks. The, I didn't see Tom Hanks's name out there, but He's, it wouldn't surprise me. He does a lot of narration on some of the programs. Um, his voice is all over that place. Okay. Huh. And they, um, in front of one of the things that uh, I thought Geldmacher would be um, the most um, jealous about is outside <laughs> uh, outside the building, they have three slabs of the original uh, seawall from, uh, I think it was Omaha Beach? Um, it's one of the one of the beaches um, that the Americans stormed. I can't remember. I, sh- I took and a picture I'm of it. And very jealous. And they have a... That. They have a bunch of, um, like, it's pockmarked with, I mean, you got to think, all the bullets that flew up at that wall that day. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. And of, yeah. of course they have a big sign that says, do not touch. Yeah. But it's <laughs> right. like, uh, but you just, you just, you, you are just chomping at the bit. You want to touch that part of history. Cause it's, sure. and you really do lose, lose the fact of how epic world war two was. I mean, I don't know, going back into it and seeing it. And like my wife was when we were going through uh, the Pacific part, she says, I didn't realize you always hear about how bad the Nazis were, but I never realized that the Japanese were as bad as they were in World War Two. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. In fact, I would say that they were probably in some cases more so. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So one article I think that we would be talking about in a future episode was talking about the dropping of the atomic bombs because a lot it's it's kind of controversial today. Some people say should we have dropped it or should we not have? But um, you have to you have to put yourself in the perspective of that time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I think they said like twenty million Je- uh, Chinese died as a result of that conflict from, you know, you know, fighting the Jap, uh, fighting the Japanese. And I mean, the atrocities they did in Nanking and just everywhere it was, they were, I mean, they were brutal. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. and you know, honestly, maybe we should reach out to the world war two museum to be part of that conversation when we do that. I like it. Hmm. It could work. That could work. You know, um, there's a, uh, I have worked with the world war two museum, uh, on a project that I'd started two years ago, we what, what the original plan was to uh, we've got a, a, a veterans memorial in town with names on it, uh, but there's no like any background. It just says like years they kind of years they served, basically era they served and names. Uh, but if you're mm-hmm. looking for more information on one of the names there, we thought well it'd be really cool to to be able to to ideally we wanted to scan the name, but then we thought well we'll just have a QR code. And we can do it that way. And so they were going to help us with researching and and working with old documents and records um, and whatnot to get some of that background about where these soldiers had been, um, you know, what they'd done, medals they'd won, all that kind of stuff. Sure. So they were really – I will tell you this, if, and for you two and for any teacher out there, get a hold of their education specialists – they will bend over backwards to make it work to visit you virtually in your classroom. Uh, we did a, awesome. yeah, we did an hour long Skype session with them, um, and they were great. I mean, I didn't give them a whole lot to go on because I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do, and yeah. they were able to make that the uh, the uh, an hour worth of time that was unbelievably valuable to the project that we were doing. So, um, and they've, they've got some design programs too that they can do. Uh, but yeah, they um, they're pretty awesome, and I see they've got their summer institute stuff up. I think Brian, you were talking about that application mm-hmm. opens December first. That one, if you get in, it's paid for. Yep, you know that's that's pretty awesome. Nice. And you actually I'll can tra- try. What? Yeah, and they do their own travel stuff too. Like they're they they are their own travel company. So if you want to yeah. go to sites, you can pay and travel with these people and have expert guides so i mean it's really a really cool resource yeah they um they did a lot of stuff um the author Stephen ambrose he was huge in the um early stages of the world war ii museum and he had his own travel company which has kind of morphed into their travel company sure so all the band of brothers stuff that he was doing um they've now taken that up taken up that mantle 
Well, and they, they've they've expanded that out too because oh, now sure. you can go all over the place. I just saw there's one to Italy coming up. Um, yep. So a lot of options. Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yep. Well, Geldmacher? Well, I'm getting sentimental, boys. I would Uh-oh. like to discuss America's historic triangle, and that would, of course, be the um, just a few miles that separate the towns of Jamestown, Yorktown, and Colonial Williamsburg. Oh, wait a and second. of course, this is where the three of us met. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> what, the fact that you met us? I mean, well, you know, there is <laughs> little known fact for a lot of our viewers that it's not, it wasn't just the three of us. That is oh, true. Th- that were the history bros. There were actually, I think, a total of five. Well, it depends on how wide you grow, because, I mean, there was the five, but we had a couple other guys that were in there, too. Right. And um, one and neither of them that we've really been able to keep up with on uh, on Facebook. So that was. Uh, yeah. Whereas the three of us immediately, like 13 year old girls, just kind of like, ooh, friend request, you know, and <laughs> that kind of stuff. And, but hey. hey, here we are. So you can't question the amount of history that is dripping from these three locations. Um, I mean, you guys can chime in. You were there, too. Right. It's just you could spend two weeks there. It's unreal. Oh, yeah. We, you could spend longer. I mean, if you're going to talk about the whole triangle there, uh, yeah. you, you could spend, yeah, a month there and still. Well, I mean, the one guy has spent how many years there digging in the dirt at, at Jamestown? Sure. And oh, he yeah. still hasn't figured it all out yet. No, yeah, I think you can go amazing. right before breakfast and see everything by about lunchtime. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. No, I think Jamestown is, is really it's 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 pretty condensed because it was a small area, but then um well, yeah, but then you go to Yorktown and then definitely Williamsburg, you can, Well, the uh, interesting thing about Jamestown is you've got you've got the original fort site and you've got the museum there, but then you have the reconstructed settlement back up the road and that's a national park site right and it's mm. it's just it's a reconstructed um fort with you know the, the trades there and the natives there um and it looks like you're in 1619 right um now we didn't even go to that part um some of our fellow teachers who were I think on the, the elementary school us, teachers yeah the there. elementary yeah. school teachers they went and they spent the rest of the afternoon there correct so they were at jamestown for an entire day where we were only there for part of you know half the day right exactly um, yeah um yorktown is phenomenal um if you enjoy revolutionary war history uh, again it's it's the site where cornwallis eventually surrendered um you know you, get you to, also get to go see the redoubts that um yeah. mm-hmm. Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, the Siege Field. Yep. Uh, Joseph Plum Martin in his uh, autobiography, mm-hmm. uh, which when you read it, because um, I read it a couple years ago, and then you actually go see it. Right. And, I mean, yeah. granted, you're looking at, you know, a couple hundred years of, still. yeah, of, you know, of, you know, change and erosion and, you know, whatever. But still, it's like, you know, this is where it happened. Right. right. And it's, you know, it's 
again, it, it's for me, it's kind of like, you know, when people do tours of like uh, TV sets, you know, like they go to see where Friends was filmed or some kind of <laughs> thing like that. And they're like, oh, my God, this is where this, you know, well, this is when Joey did. I don't know the, to the show at all. Sure. But, you know, they're like, you know, this is where this kind of thing happened. And it's like, well, yeah, well, it's a scripted thing. And, you know, this is where it happened. But this is where the redoubt was that they charged and they took and <laughs> right. and they you know, they turned the cannons on the english and you know and i mean there's and this is the field that you know cornwallis did not show up in right but you know this is you know it was it was yeah, it's incredible and this then is... again when you go into williamsburg then you have areas where they filmed turn and they filmed sure uh, the john adams series on top of that mm -hmm. so um that's pretty fascinating too right. i mean you know the 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 cannonball stuck in the wall of the nelson house in Yorktown is mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. um, just the, again, the siege field is just amazing. Uh, and even the surrender field, you know, even though it's just a field, the, um, the little setup there is cool where they have the overlook and some of the audio playing is, uh, is very cool. Right. Um, and I think they have a, a wood fence there to symbolize where, uh, the American soldiers stood when the British were coming in to lay oh, down their arms. There you go. I didn't know I th that. I think, based on the diagrams that I saw, I think that's that was the intention of that. Oh, cool. But I could be wrong. Okay. I could be wrong. And then, I mean, Williamsburg, you could seriously spend a week and a half there and get a taste of what's going on there. Um, it, you can make clapboard there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I did. I have a video of a guy doing that. I'll have to post that. It was there. It was, you you yeah. probably have a video of a couple of guys doing that. That's I think I do. Young strapping gentlemen. <laughs> Were they? Were I, we? I actually I that was that was one of the first times I tried to use the super slow mo when Rude's <laughs> pounding the thing into the the clapboard to separate it. Oh, so it was it like turns out. pow. You know, it turns and, out you didn't need slow mo. That's just he was just going that slow. <laughs> <laughs> some people say it was slow other people say he was doing it with intensity right <laughs> right no and that was amazing too with the teacher institute when we were going there because then when you go around to some of the other buildings that have been rebuilt and they right. did it in the style of the thing at the time so you can tell the difference between clapboard and you know mm -hmm. some more uh finished siding of houses and how they did it the guy i mean the guys there and here's here's another thing and i asked um uh we're going to try and get one of the the people that helped us uh, or that was in charge of the teacher institute to come on and talk to us about it yep. um but um they have their own standard of apprenticeships because you have people there that are sort of like master smiths in what it is that they're doing right. um if it's a if they're doing working in the uh the haberdashery <laughs> or the uh you know the the silversmith or the you know and and i asked him i said is there some sort of nationalized uh process of like okay well i have to take this test and i know how to do this or whatever and sure. they basically created their own but it is so intensive they they're not like waiting for everybody to leave and then they pull out the equipment and they start doing the stuff. They're doing it the way that they did it then. Yeah. Sure. And that's part I mean, of standing in the blacksmith shop, watching them, you know, hammer out metal. That right. was insane. 
Yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, it just, um, you know, the, the brick making, I went down. Did you guys go down and see that at all? No. Wow. No, we went to the see? gunsmith shop, I think. Something else I missed. <laughs> yeah. So the brick making, I, I was, I mean, you guys know how much I liked walking. Um, so, I mean, we had to go down a hill and back up a hill and you know how I don't like walking up and down hills. Uh, but, uh, it was, it was really cool to see, um, with what they were doing down there and, uh, just the general, um, the process. I mean, it's super easy. It's literally a mold made out of wood and they take clay that they've mixed to the portion proportion of water and clay that they want and sand and they throw it inside the, the mold and then they go and drop them out in the sun, and that's kind of how they get them set. And then they've got to kill them to finish them off. Huh. You know, it's... No, I didn't go to that one. Yeah, it's it's super simple, but it it's effective. And it, like I said, it was it was kind of interesting to see. I mean, even just the just the, the detail and the accuracy and the historical details that they followed to make, like, shoes. You know, oh, yeah. The, um, the, the shoemaker was awesome. He was yeah. so cool. He was. And I saw him out of uniform once, and it's like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's him. That that's, the, that's the dude. And that's you kind of feel weird when you've seen them and talked to them in character, and then you see them out, and you're kind of like, I- I'm not supposed to talk to them. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, I know there were some people that wanted to talk to Martha Washington. Sure. And why wouldn't you? I mean, President Who wanted to talk to Martha? Not? Yeah. She was, you know, she was nice. Um, yeah. In many exuded ways, exuded a fair amount of confidence. <laughs> she did, which I guess you well, have she, to be if you're married to George Washington. She got snappy with one of the people in our she, group too. Didn't you? Did because the lady was like, you know, so Martha, I was wondering, and she's like, Mrs. Washington. <laughs> she interrupted her. She goes, um, yeah. Mrs. Washington. <laughs> and but the thing was is that it wasn't kind of like real saucer of milk table too. It wasn't like that. It was like. Uh, <laughs> She was like, it was kind of like, oh, okay, okay, this is where we're at. So when I raised my hand, I was like, Ms. Mrs. Washington, I'm like, I, she's, I, I'm not going to step on anybody's toes. Uh-uh, no, no, no. <laughs> She'll come over the table at you. Uh, she, she was, she was, a little, she was a little sassy, mo lassie. That's for sure. Oh yeah. But it's she just... and and she and that's that's how it was all the way through that. Sure. She knew her stuff. She had done oh, her research. And she would be in character and be able to answer those questions. She corrected me because I was talking about Fort Necessity, and I call it Fort Defiance, I think. And she was like, do you mean Fort Necessity? And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Instead of like, what are you talking about? I don't My know bad. what that is. My you know? bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, got, I got a chance to talk to her, too. It was kind of cool. Um, I Did told, you? Yeah. I, I, th- I think I was like the last. Actually, I think I was the last question. Um, hmm, well, that's strange. No, but no, I <laughs> come on, guys. Come on, come on. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I was just kind of, oh, that's great. An observation. That's, that's, I'm glad I think that you, you got should. the uh, chance to do that. I asked I her, you well, reach first, out and ask those questions. No, I, what I told her that she was the colonial version of my wife as far as having oh. to be a, a mm, uh, ringmaster. Mm, mm. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. My wife knows I said this. Forgetting your anniversary, trash panda, and telling other women they they're like your wife. Yeah, this is. Listen, my my wife knows. Holidays about must be a joy at your house, is what I'm saying. Dear God. <laughs> <laughs> 
My wife knows about it. In fact, on my other podcast, oh, yes, I have well, another man, podcast. It's fine. And we mentioned it. In fact, it is the title of one of the podcasts. It's is Mar- Martha Washington is my wife. Yes. And then I go on to explain how, and I gave my wife a lot of credit because Martha had to put up with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, but I asked something else. I forget what it was. Oh, I've got a recording. <laughs> listen, listen. You guys are are making things sound much worse than they really are. I don't know what you're implying. Oh, yeah. It's ours, right? <laughs> I don't know what you're implying, but all I know is I got to ask Martha Washington, the interpreter, also known as Catherine Pittman, uh, some question, and I don't remember. Now I don't remember what it was. What are you laughing about? What are you laughing about? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I think it's great that you know because yes. some people were some people were too nervous to ask questions, sure. and some people who were more enthusiastic about uh, asking questions. Sure. Yeah, we'll go with Absolutely. that. That's okay. We're going to go yeah. with that. We're going to go with that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, well, then there were other people that asked questions, like you said, and, and kind of got a little bit of a, um, what would you say? Uh, a talking to, a finger pointed at? Yes, yes. An energetic finger. Well, but, that was, but it was all in character. It wasn't, sure. you know, right. intended to make anybody feel uncomfortable or stupid. It was really like... This is how you're going to address me like this. I mean, and no, she, I, she talked about how seriously she has to take it because there are people that will purposely set out to trip her up and she needs to be on her toes with the information that she passes along. Otherwise, people are going to say, oh, gotcha. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, she even talked about a time where she had was she had said something and a newspaper article quoted her as or not quoted yes. her but took it as this is something Martha Washington actually said yeah they used it as some sort of like uh yeah as something that was like gospel right so she spoke of the need to be 100% accurate no matter what and i think that speaks to the level of the type of establishment that Williamsburg is as a whole well, just um, yeah, professional. You have people that you can have conversations with, and there, there's not nothing is dropped. I mean, it is spot on. It is 1760, and that's just how it is. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's the thing is they didn't roll people out there that are on the first day in the job, you know. And and, sure. and you know they they obviously she had been. You know, Mrs. Washington has been doing that role for I want to say over over ten years, maybe longer. Correct. Hey, It'd be great to try and get her on uh, on the podcast to talk to her about the, how how difficult it is to try and get. That's actually a good idea. Why? Yes, it would yeah. be. I'd love that. I'm sure you would. Yeah. What? No. What? <laughs> what? No. Nothing. N- <laughs> Nothing. I mean, it's it's an educational experience. That's right. Um, <sighs> speaking of educational experiences, there is so much to do in Williamsburg. <laughs> there um, is. For, no, seriously though, for me, um, I didn't. I would have liked to go into the church. I didn't go to the church, um, and I'm just as fascinated by the uh, like the before and after stuff, like what Williamsburg looked like before it became a colonial village again. Um, you got you know, the, the history, book, didn't the restoration. You? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely bought the book. Um, There's a book, the, by the way, called Williamsburg yeah. Before and After. And yeah, and it's 
it's quite good. Um, it's more. Uh, I I like it. I wish there was more to it. Um, mm. But the official guide to the historic triangle does a great job of showing you, you know, some before and afters and telling you the story about the Rockefellers and how that all came to be. Um, you know, the decisions to tear down buildings that were built in the early 1800s um, to sacrifice these, at the time, 120-year-old buildings to reestablish the colonial village. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the architecture and the decisions that were made. And to... now, one really famous guy. Whoops, sorry, guys. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, that was um, me. <laughs> no, no, no. So, again, there is so much that you could experience within a half an hour drive. Um, I mean, even the road itself is a historic uh, thing. The Colonial Parkway is history as well. Sure. So that's my contribution. And a worthy one. Th was, those, yeah. I, I, I think we you. had fantastic experiences uh, during that teacher institute. No doubt yeah. about that. And we could see all those. talk for two more hours about that but you know yeah. oh yeah oh without a doubt uh are there other places in the country that you guys think are historically worthy enough to be mentioned on the extremely prestigious and esteemed history brothers podcast history bros podcast i believe so okay there's yeah there's a i think there's a lot um but it really depends on what your focus is that's true does somebody well, have some... one that they want to talk about? Um, I mean, if nobody does, I've got one. I mean, I'll toot the horn for St. Louis for a minute. Um, we have, it's not one of the largest, but um, we have a national cemetery here. Um, it's a place called Jefferson Barracks. Um, it is a, I mean, it's still a military installation. and I can't talk. Um, but you had guys who trained here like Grant and Lee, um, and Longstreet guys from the civil war. Uh, but then you've also got the national cemetery where there's very famous people here who are buried. Um, there's a famous you know, a guy from Lexington and Concord who's buried here. There's, a and I go back to the Banner Brothers, the plane that went down with the, um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. It's going to bug me now. Anyway, there's a depiction on D-Day of a plane going down. Um, that plane, there was, they collected remains and buried them here in St. Louis at the National Cemetery. Um, so they're here. Um, you know, the history of the Jefferson Barracks area is it was at one time it was the largest training center in the United States right at the start of World War II. Oh, I believe the largest it. intake center. There is another very famous unknown that is buried there. Ah, did geez. you know? Speaking of the tomb of the unknown. Yeah, correct. So you, you yeah. know the story, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, so uh, Vietnam, or excuse me, uh, of course, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers in Washington, D.C. Um, had a soldier from Vietnam, World War One, World War Two, I believe, are the three wars. Yes. And uh, long and short of it, the family of this airman who had been shot down in Vietnam uh, 
yep. uh, had suspected that maybe their son could be the Vietnam unknown, but they didn't have proof and yada, yada, yada. So anyway, finally, they, they went back and got um, more compelling evidence, took it to the courts. The courts mm-hmm. said, yep, you can exhume the grave to do DNA testing. And they indeed proved that that was the soldier or the airman that had had crashed in Vietnam, and he's now buried at, at uh, National Cemetery at Jefferson, Jefferson Barracks. Barracks. Yep. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a cool story. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget his name off the top of my head now, but uh, uh, I, I got it right here. I'm gonna even use his rank: First Lieutenant Michael Joseph Blassie. There we go. There we go. Yep. Um, great story there, which ties to the. And, si- go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. One more thing. It's they've got a fantastic Civil War museum that talks about um, a lot of um, Missouri stuff. Excellent. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite cities is is I think everybody's favorite city, and a lot. Of, well, I shouldn't say that. Not everybody's favorite city. Washington D.C. is a huge influence oh, for me. Of course. You know, it, and for obvious reasons, um, I'm there almost more than I'm in my home state at times, especially in the summer. Um, but I mean, you look at what's happened there. Most of the history of our country has somehow been influenced by something going on in Washington, DC. Sure. So, um, that alone makes it pretty special. But by the time you look at Ford's theater and the Frederick Douglass house and Lincoln's, uh, summer cottage and, uh, all of the amazing art museums. And then of course, the uh, the other historical museums, you know, you've got the uh, all of the Smith. See, here's the thing: everybody says, "Oh, did you go to the Smithsonian Institute?" It's like, well, which building? Which of the 19 buildings are you talking about? <laughs> right. Well, what? Yeah, air and space is usually pretty pro- uh, pretty popular. Yes. Uh, American history, American history is, uh, or yeah, is is pretty fascinating because they have one of Washington's uniforms. Yes. Uh, on oh, display wow. there, they've got. Uh, I think they have. Cornwallis's sword that he used to, or yes. that was used to surrender. They have um, uh, one of the. A bunch of stuff there. Yeah, they have uh, Grover Cleveland's presidential carriage. They have the hat that Lincoln was wearing the night he went to the theater. They have the two chairs uh, from. Um, oh, the house. Uh, what's his name? House. What's that? Peterson House? No, 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 no. From the oh. surrender of the Civil War, uh, and now I cannot oh, think of the guy's the name. Courthouse. Yes, and then, but it's the, the guy that whose house they actually that actually owned it. Anyway, those oh, chairs. Gotcha. Are, yeah, I can't think of his name now off the top of my head. I tell that story every year because it started in his backyard. He moves and it ends in his in his parlor. Story <laughs> for another day. Um, they have General, not General Sherman, General Sheridan's horse is stuffed and in there. Um, they've got a, yeah, they've got a gunboat from, uh, from the civil war. And so, I mean, if you just want to look at that time period, there's a ton of stuff there, but they also have the Ruby red slippers or a pair of the Ruby red slippers. They, they yeah, they have they've got of, a lot of film memorabilia, like, uh, Indiana Jones's hat and mm-hmm. whip and stuff like that too, I think. Yep. The Archie Bunker's chair is in there. Uh, Muhammad Ali's gloves are in there. Apollo Ono skates, uh, Kermit the Frog and a number of the Muppets are in there. Um, oh, here's a really cool exhibit. They have a dress from every one of the first ladies, and most of them are the inaugural gowns. Mm. 
It's pretty cool. The only one that they said the provenance is not outstanding on is Dolly Madison's. They said, yeah, we put it out there because we're, we're sure enough that we can put it out there and say, but we're not so sure that we're, that we're the most comfortable putting it out there is, is how it was described to me. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, it, but, I mean, go ahead. But sometimes you can, um, I mean, even like uh, my wife and I had gone to Kinston and um, for our anniversary and on our way back, we decided to, um, we just, we took a little detour. We had to take a detour because of traffic and went off just the road. Well, I mean, off to, you know, one of the exits and happened to come across a graveyard that Daniel Boone's mother and father were buried in. Holy cow. Wow. I mean, just where did that come from? You know, it was just kind of like, and what were the chances that we would have gone, you know, that that would have been there. And so, I mean, there are all these places that are tucked around oh, yeah. um, all over. Um, it's just, you know, if you're just willing to kind of take a little side tour and then sometimes, you know, things will jump right in your face. Well, exactly. Um, yep. Exactly. But, um, Absolutely. Well, I think this has been, uh, you know, I think this is a good place to wrap this one up. I agree. Yeah. I would agree with you there. And uh, there's obviously <clears throat> many more places that we can talk about of oh, uh, historical yes. significance, and uh, we may need to uh, um, uh, revisit this. But I think uh, we may also need to um, have another contest coming up with a, a, a guest listener. Maybe we can, uh, people should uh, tune in to the uh, social medias uh, for an upcoming uh, contest to win. That is a lovely idea. I am totally game for one of those. Uh, what do you want to do? How do you want to do this one? Well, I think they'll just, um, uh, we're going to put on another question. Mm-hmm. And then whoever gets the questions right, um, then they will uh, be in the drawing for, and now, yep. I think we well, should go ahead and ready. preface that if you've already won, Uh-oh. then you are out of the running for this one. Sorry, Garen. Yeah, sorry, Garen. <laughs> but um, let's try and, you know, uh, you know, broaden the field a little bit. So uh, the well. So uh, it, uh, other individuals will put uh, put something up this week and then uh, you can answer it. And then we will do another live drawing from a hat. And whoever wins that one, then uh we can have them on a guest, and once again, they can probably can choose uh, what the topic will be, and sure. uh, we'll have um, uh, an episode surrounding that. All right, we can do that. Yep. I'm game. I am. I am definitely game for that. So we can absolutely do that. All right. All right. Well, we have come to the closing, mm-hmm. and uh, it is definitely time to to do that. Of course. Uh, we all have school in the morning. Some of us had an extra day off this week. That's you, Hatfield. Got to travel. Uh, that's true. And uh, others of us have to, uh, I don't know, uh, do other things. So <laughs> anyway, uh, for myself, Jason Rood in Iowa, I want to thank you for joining us, uh, tuning in and hearing what the History Bros have to say. On behalf of Jason Hatfield and Brian Geldmacher of North Carolina and Missouri, respectively, uh, we want to thank all of you. Uh, let's face it, if it wasn't for you guys, we'd just be talking to ourselves. Gentlemen, it's been a good one. Yep. Peace out. Yep. Deuces. <laughs>